Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Let me tell, tell you a little story about two young brothers, four and six years old. Let's just call them John and Josh. <clears throat> John and Josh were spending the night at grandparents' house, and it was around Christmas time. And grandma told him, said, all right, boys, it's time for you guys to go to bed and make sure you say your prayers before you go to bed. And said, all right, so they ran into their room and got on their knees and the younger one, Josh, started praying at the top of his lungs, shouting, God, give me a bicycle. God, give me a PlayStation. God, give me a puppy. His older brother, John, said, whoa, buddy, what are you, why are you yelling? You don't need to shout at God. He's not deaf. Josh looked at him and said, yeah, but Grandma is. <laughs> not a true story, <laughs> although our Grandma Pat was pretty much deaf and didn't hear very well growing up. But uh, I tell that story because we are in a season of prayer in our church. In fact, You'll see somewhere around you, you'll see one of these handouts. You can look at it right now if you want. That gives some information about prayer and some of the various prayer expressions. Prayer and fasting starting today for the next three weeks, 21 days. I'll talk a little bit more about fasting in, in a few minutes. But, you know, I think generally when it comes to prayer, there's kind of two, uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about prayer. I think a lot of them fall into one of two categories. One of them is what skeptics tend to think, cynics that say, prayer is just wishful thinking. And so they'll say things like, I'm sending good thoughts your way, which I always just laugh at. But the other that sometimes Christians have is something like this, that God knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end, which is true, he does. So if God knows everything, then prayer doesn't really make that big of a difference because his will is gonna be accomplished anyway. And that's really the misconception that I want to address in the next few minutes together. But before we get into any of these specifics on prayer, I think we need to get three things straight, all right? So here we go. If you're writing notes, you might wanna write these things down. Let's get three things straight. Number one, God is a good God. God is a good God. Psalm 100, verse five, for the Lord is good. Psalm 119, verse 68, 68, the, the writer speaks to God and he says, you are good and do good. I love that. God, you are good and you do good. James chapter one, verse 17 says, every good gift is from above. I love that song that we just sang a few minutes ago. You're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love. After everything I've seen, you're too good to not believe. Come on, somebody, say amen. Number two, <clears throat> number two is this. Sin and Satan, flesh and hell, work disorder and destruction. God doesn't. Proverbs chapter 19, verse three, listen to this. People, that's you and I, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. 
Isn't that true? It's amazing how we make stupid, unwise, foolish decisions that are clearly against God's word, and then somehow we shake our fist at God, we get mad at him, and we blame him. Friends, you're the one who made the knucklehead decision. I'm the one who made the knucklehead decision. It's like little kids, if you've had little kids before, and they do something really bad or dumb, and then you get blamed for it, like it's your fault. The Bible says in Galatians chapter five and six, it says that if you sow to your flesh, you will reap of your flesh. If you sow to destruction, you will reap destruction. So therefore, walk in the spirit. Don't live according to your flesh. Don't live how you used to live before you came to Christ. Walk in the spirit, friends. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Somebody ought to say amen, just that I got all nine of those right. So there's consequences sometimes, you know, because of our own flesh, our own sin, but also because of the enemy. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief, Satan, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they, you and I, may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I have a little bit of education. I went to Fuller Theological Seminary, got my MA in Biblical Studies. Come on, you know, that sounds like my dad right now talking, I have all these degrees, but I have a little bit of education, but friends, my theology on a lot of things is pretty simple, and I try to stay close to the Bible. I don't care what theologian X, Y, and Z says. And here's something that you need to know. Bad things are from the devil. Or maybe they're from your own dumb decisions, or maybe they're just because we live in a broken, sinful, fallen world. But bad equals devil. Good things are from God. Good equals God. If it's good, it's from God. If it ain't, it ain't from God. So why are you getting mad at God for bad things in your life? It ain't his fault. If you're gonna get mad at somebody, get mad at the devil and then pray harder. Every good thing is from God, friends. Here's the, the third and the last point that kind of tie these two together. We, referring to those who know the Lord, you and I, we determine whether God's goodness is released in specific situations or whether the power of sin and Satan is permitted. Notice that word, by the way, permitted or allowed. Permitted to prevail, prayer is the determining factor. Prayer is the determining factor. God has given us, he's given you and I, spiritual responsibility over what happens on this planet. Go back and read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. You can see God's original intent. And the current disorder of things on this planet, it is our problem. Unfortunately, some Christians would rather blame God than trust him. Some would rather complain about him than call upon him. Some would rather indict the Almighty when hell comes against us rather than inviting his almightiness to bring heaven's solutions to earth's problems. The great John Wesley, incredible man of God, changed the world, you can Google him later. He said, God will do nothing on earth except in answer to believing prayer. Let me say it a little bit differently. When God created the earth, he gave Adam and Eve dominion, power and authority over everything. 
But when they chose to disobey God, to rebel against God, to break the one thing he said don't do, they decided to do because of their own selfishness. Sin came into the world and it affected their relationship with God. But not only did it affect their relationship with God, they then forfeited their rulership that God had gave them and they gave it to the enemy. They gave it to the devil. Well, when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, what did he say? He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Put your hand out in front of you, friends. He's saying, it is as close, it is here and now. In fact, at one point he says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it is the rule and reign of God. It is his life, his love, his power, his grace, his goodness, his mercy, his kindness, his presence, invading any and every situation that is dark, demonic, hellish, satanic, and it is overriding that. That's what the kingdom of, and Jesus established the kingdom of God. Put my hand on my hip, I don't even know why. I don't know why I did that. It's the first time I've ever done that, I think. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm, let me tell you, mm-mm. It's 1130, I don't know what's gonna happen. That was so really funny. Hopefully nobody got a picture of that. Pastor John preaching. <laughs> oh, what was I gonna say? So Jesus came, listen, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it is both a present reality and a future hope. So when, when you and I die, for those of us that know the Lord, and we graduate to heaven, to eternity, in the perfect presence of God that'll be unlike anything we could possibly imagine, we will experience the fullness of that. But right now, we get taste of it, we get a little foretaste of it, and it is our job. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. We just preached on Colossians. I think I remember somebody preaching on this recently. And Colossians 2, it says that Jesus embarrassed the enemy, made a public spectacle of the demonic forces triumphing over them at the cross. Jesus destroyed the enemy. He overthrew this hellish attack. He established the kingdom of God. And then he ascended to heaven And then he sent down and baptized his church, you and I, with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He gave us in Matthew chapter 16, the keys of the kingdom of God. Keys represent power and authority. So all of of the power and authority that Jesus himself had, he gave to you and I. And it is our job to enforce. It is our job to advance. It is our job to move forward. It is our job to establish the kingdom of God here on this earth. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let me say it differently. God's perspective on prayer is this. Human beings are in charge of the earth. If hell is allowed to take over, it's their duty to call upon me for the solution. If they don't, if prayer isn't uttered, I have bound myself not to be involved. But if, but if prayer is proclaimed, I have bound myself to defeat everything that would destroy or diminish my most beloved creation, men and women. Let me say it as simply as I can. If we don't, God won't. If we don't, God won't. Say that with me, come on church. If we don't, God won't. Pastor Jack Hayford, one of my 
heroes, he writes this. He says, prayer can change anything. The impossible doesn't exist. His is the power. Ours is the prayer. Without him, we cannot. Without us, he will not. Prayer is invading the impossible. He wrote a book with that title, Prayer is Invading the Impossible. A praying church is a prevailing church. And guess what? We're a praying church. We're a prevailing church. We believe that prayer is invading the impossible. Come on, look at somebody next to you and with some serious intensity, look them right in the eye and say, invade the impossible. Tell them, invade the impossible. A praying church is a prevailing church and we're a praying church. The title of my message today is Invading the Impossible and today is part one and next week will be part two because I'm still in my introduction and I ain't gonna finish this. So we'll finish it next week. Prayer is invading the impossible. This is why, because we believe this with all of our heart, this is why we're doing a three-week series starting today on prayer called Push. Pray until something happens. Push, come on, push. Pray until something happens. Too, too many of us, we pray a little bit and then we just quit and give up. Because things don't happen immediately like we want them to. Guess what, friends? There's spiritual resistance. As the old preacher says, per persistence breaks resistance. And so many of us, if I can say it this way, we're weak and wimpy Christians, and we have no spiritual backbone, and we quit and we give up too easily. Honestly, I, and I, I like almost grit my teeth when I think about this, because I want to I impart, I want to build in stronger and stronger into the culture of our church a passion, a grittiness, a, 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 a spiritual violence that we're not quitting, not giving up, not backing down, not, not bowing our knee to culture. I don't care what happens in the world. I don't care. <laughs> I better watch it. I'm gonna. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we are not closing the doors of this church ever again. I don't, it is not gonna happen. And if, if they come and arrest me sometime, then come, come and get me, here I am. And if I go to prison, then I'll start a prison ministry in there. And I'll lead people to Jesus. And instead of getting little teardrops from my eyes, I'm gonna get little crosses for everybody that I lead to Christ. Just pray for me, because I'll need more prayer than ever. Come on, I don't wanna go to prison. <laughs> I started to think about that right now. I, said, I don't wanna go there. I've been, I used to do ministry in women's prison, and those ladies are rough. I'll tell that, I don't know if I've told that story. I'll tell it another time. I gotta get back on track. What was I saying? Pray until something happens. So, cause too often we, we, we live in this culture, we live in a world and everything is instantaneous. We want everything and we want it right now. I mean, we put our hot pocket in the microwave for 90 seconds or whatever. Some of us can't even wait the 90 seconds. You don't want to wait the 90 seconds. That thing will burn your mouth like nobody's business. When we fast food, we don't even want to drive to Chick-fil-A anymore because the line is too long. It's down the street. So what do we do? We call Uber Eats and they deliver our fast food to us. 
because ain't nobody got time for that. And we take that mentality into our relationship with God, into our prayer life, and we wonder why we're ineffective and weak. Pray until something happens, church. Jesus said at one point, such an interesting passage, he says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. He's not, he is not talking about a physical violence. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm part of a militia, I'm ready. No, no, no. He's, he's talking about a spiritual violence. He's talking about an intensity and a focus on the kingdom of God. This is why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church family. In fact, you can see all the various prayer expressions that are available. You ought to come this Wednesday night, by the way. Seven o'clock, it's gonna be wild in here. I just have a feeling it's gonna, it's gonna be fun. Our young people are joining us, Chris and Ezra, that's what I heard. They're gonna be in here this Wednesday night at seven o'clock. It's the last one of the summer before school starts. We'll let it, let's just see what God does. But um, this is why we're praying. This is why we're fasting, because prayer is invading the impossible. In fact, it, Go ahead and stand your feet if you would. Grab your Bible. If you have it, turn with me to, to Matthew chapter six. You can look along the screen if you need to, if you need a Bible. Excuse me, we'd love to give you one afterwards. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying unbelievable things about what does it mean to be a son or daughter in the kingdom of heaven? How are we supposed to live? What is What are the heart issues that God wants to address in our life. Lord, speak to us through your word these next few minutes. Teach us how to pray in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter six, verse five, Jesus says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And this is often referred to as the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And I'm reading from the New King James, so if you don't have New King James, would you look on the screen? I wanna read this, actually pray this out loud together. Let's go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. You can stop, let me finish reading. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward but you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who is in secret will reward you openly. Before you sit down, tell somebody you look really, really ridiculously good looking. Come on, just tell them you're really, really ridiculously good looking. Then you can be seated. Jesus gives instructions about when we pray, not if we pray, and when we fast, not if we fast. And 
He makes it very clear that prayer and fasting are not a religious performance, but they are a heartfelt pursuit of God. Sometimes, I know, we, Pastor Junior, you know you've had this experience too. You know, you'll be in a small group or something. You'll ask somebody to pray. And, and sometimes if I don't know the person, I say, hey, would you mind praying? Do you feel comfortable praying out loud? And it's not uncommon. People say, oh, you know, Pastor John, I'm kind of embarrassed to pray out loud. I don't really, you know, like doing that. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how to pray. You, you sound so nice. And Pastor Junior, you guys' prayers sound so nice. I don't pray like that. And I understand the what they're saying and the heart behind that. But I just tell them, friends, God isn't impressed by your words. You don't need to pray in the old King James with these and thous and use all these big words. God's not impressed by that. He's impressed by your heart. I, I think that, that, you know, praying, especially if you haven't prayed before, I think it's like being a parent or a grandparent when your kids first start talking. And any sound that they make is amazing, isn't it? What do kids always say first, too, by the way? Mama. Oh, it's so annoying as a dad. Mama. They always say mama, mama, dad, dad, taco, taco. <laughs> That's what I teach my kids. I think when we have never really prayed before and we're learning to pray, I think, you know, even our futile attempts, I think God is like a proud dad in heaven saying, wow, look at my son, look at my daughter praying for the first time. Isn't that awesome? He's He's moved by our heart, not by our words. And Jesus also addresses the privacy of prayer and fasting. And he doesn't mean, by the way, that we can't pray publicly. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying that when you do that, don't pray for other people. Pray for the Lord. Do it unto the Lord. He's talking about our heart. Let me mention real quick a few thoughts on, on fasting. Uh, and there's more fasting resources available on our church's website. But fasting is not just for the super Christian, the uber Christian. It's for every believer. So even if you're brand new to the Lord, you ought to fast. Uh, it's a normal part of the Christian life. Fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. And generally speaking, the purpose is to seek the Lord. You can also, by the way, fast from other things that are not food. In the Bible, it's it's. I think always, always food, but sometimes we can fast from other things. Some of us probably can't fast from food for health reasons, but you can fast for other things and spend that time with God, fasting from Netflix or streaming shows online and spending, you know, however much time you might spend doing that and, and giving that time to the Lord. Maybe just you have a long commute driving to and from work, and instead of listening to talk radio, you can spend that time in prayer and turn on some worship music. That would help you feel better anyways. Social media, I talk about that a lot. Some of you ought to fast from social media for the next 21 days. Be a good soul detox. Some of us, we spend so much time, we don't even realize how much time we spend in front of our phone. You ever get that reminder at the end of the week that says how much screen time you said? You've spent 168 hours on your phone this week. Like, how is that even possible? I don't even know. But you take that time and you spend it with God. Fasting is hungering for more of God in your life. Fasting disciplines your flesh and feeds your spirit. It tells yourself and your body, hey, you ain't in control. The Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm submitted and I'm surrendered to him. I'm walking in the spirit. He's the one. God is in the one, is the one who's in control of my life. Prayer and fasting go hand in hand, like Clayton Kershaw and Austin Barnes. Come on, Dodger fans. What are the benefits of fasting? Here's five very briefly, and there's some scriptures that you can look up if you want to later. Number one, greater intimacy with God. Number two, increased spiritual sensitivity. 
Number three, supernatural breakthrough. Number four, divine direction for decisions. And number five, invading impossible situations with God's power. I wanna encourage you these next 21 days to pray and fast in some expression. By the way, if you're doing a food fast, don't like, you know, two days from now, talk about how hungry you are and, you know, take a, take a selfie from the, this angle up here with your cheeks sunk in so you look skinnier than you are and you got your blue still look and then hashtag it juice fast, all right? <laughs> Jesus said, that's exactly what he said don't do. In this passage, Jesus teaches us principles about prayer. In fact, in Luke chapter 11, verse one, it says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And Luke 11 is the parallel passage. It's interesting that in the gospels, this is the only time that's recorded where they said, Lord, teach us to do something. Jesus taught them a lot of things, but they asked him on this occasion. They never said, Lord, teach us to preach or teach us to heal or teach us to walk on water. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus responds and, and gives us what we often call the model prayer or the Lord's prayer. It's the most prayed prayer in all the world. And certainly you can just pray it as is. And I believe that if you pray it sincerely and you understand basically as much as you know the words, I think it's powerful as is. But Jesus was giving us, listen, he was giving us principles for prayer to be effective. He was giving us principles of prayer to invade the impossible. And I'm gonna give you three and I'll give you them quickly and the rest I'll give you next week. Number one is this, seven prayer principles to invade the impossible. Number one, is intimacy, intimacy, come close to God. Jesus says, our Father, our Father in heaven. James 4, 8, come close to God and God will come close to you. Romans 8, 15 talks about how we've received, we've been adopted into God's family, we've received the Holy Spirit so that we can come to God and say, beloved Father or Abba Father, some translations say, which is like Daddy. Because of what Jesus accomplished for you and I, friends, through his death, through his resurrection, we can have an intimate personal relationship with Almighty God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe. He's not some distant cosmic being hiding behind some planet in outer space. He is closer than the air you're breathing right now. And you can hear his voice, you can feel his presence, be filled with his power, filled with his love. Wow, wow, wow. Incredible. Intimacy. We have intimacy with God Almighty because of Jesus. By the way, in any relationship, communication is what creates intimacy. Come on, husbands, I'm going to help you out right now. Communication is what creates intimacy. Men, husbands, we got to work on this, don't we? I used to think early on when Jenny and I were married that if we were just driving in the in the car together, that we were spending good time, good quality time with each other. Jenny at one point corrected me and said, no, 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 that's not how this thing works. She says, she says that involves us talking and conversing and engaging and sharing things that are on our heart and probably one of us crying and you know looking each other deeply in the eye. That's quality time. That's real communication. And I was like, man, I got a long ways to go. Because men, you know, husbands, we think of intimacy, we think of bow, chicka, bow, bow. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. But before you can get to bow, chicka, bow, bow, you gotta get to yada, yada, yada. Seinfeld, right? Yada, yada, yada. You gotta go through the yada, yada, yada before you can get to bow, chicka, bow, bow. 
<laughs> uh, I said that at 10 o'clock service, and that was so funny. It's not even in my notes. Probably shouldn't be. Oh my gosh. No, but seriously, I'm telling, I'm joking about it, but guys, I'm telling you, communication is what creates intimacy. And, uh, you know, you take that for what it's worth. Think about it. Take it to your prayer closet, the secret place, and think about it. Listen, in any relationship, including our relationship with God, what is prayer? In essence, it's communication. It's talking to God and then letting him speak to you as well. And that creates intimacy. There's nothing like hearing God's voice, isn't it, friends? Hearing his voice was, okay, I got to keep moving. Number two is this. Number two, invading the impossible. Number two is worship. Prayer involves worship, praising God's name. Hallowed be your name. Or it really means, that word means holy. Holy is your name. Holy is God's name. An important aspect of prayer is praising God for who he is. And by the way, it's not because God needs it. It's because he deserves it. God doesn't need it. He's not insecure, friends. He's not looking at Gabriel saying, wow, when is the, when is the next worship service at the Kosh Church? I really need somebody to shout praises to me. No, no, it's because he deserves it. And it's not because God forgets it. It's because we forget who he is. And so we magnify the Lord and we remember who he is and we give praise and honor and glory to his name. There's a lot of different titles or names in the Old and the New Testament for God, a lot of them. And, and the reason is because God wants to give us a revelation and a picture of who he is so we know how to relate to him. He could have just given us one name. He gave us a whole lot. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's at least eight names where he uses his primary name, Yahweh or Jehovah, he says, I am Yahweh or Jehovah, and then he gives another descriptive term, eight names. Let me give them to you quickly. Number one, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. He will never leave me, and he will never forsake me. Number two, he is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord is my righteousness. Paul talks about that. We have become the righteousness of God in Christ. I have been made right with God because of Christ. Number three, Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies me. That means that he is transforming me. He is changing me. He is making me more like Jesus. Number four, he is Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. He guides me. He governs me. He guards me. Number five, he is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is my peace. Friends, you can't get peace from anywhere else other than the Lord. Not real peace. I'm reminded of that. He is my peace. Not just he gives peace, he is peace. Number six, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. It ain't your job, it ain't your boss, it ain't your 401k, the Lord is my provider. Come on, somebody. When he opens doors, no man can shut him. Number seven, I love this. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. By his stripes, I am healed. Psalm 103, he forgives all my sin and heals all my sickness because he is Jehovah Rapha. He is my healer. He is the great physician. He is the one who created my body and can heal my body. And then number eight, he is Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. Now that sounds a little bit maybe funny to you, but 
in biblical times, when they would go to war, when they would go to battle, they would hold a flag, they would hold a, a banner saying this is who we belong to. And hold, we hold a banner saying you belong to the Lord the, and the battle is the Lord's. The Bible says he's the one who, who fights my battles. Come on, the victory belongs to him. Number three, here's the last point. In, invading the impossible in prayer. There's intimacy, there's worship. Number three is rulership. We invite God's rule. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, as I mentioned, the rule and reign of God, his life, his light, his love, his power, his presence, his goodness, invading people's lives and circumstances. And listen, this is important. The kingdom of God will rule only where it is invited. In heaven, God's will is always perfectly accomplished. In heaven, there is no sickness, only perfect health. In heaven, there is no depression, only perfect joy. In heaven, there is no fear or anxiety or worry, only perfect peace. In heaven, there is no lack or poverty, only abundance. But on earth, his will is rarely accomplished, which is why we need to pray. The way that his kingdom comes and his will is done on earth is when it is invited through prayer. Prayer brings heaven's power to earth's problems. Prayer invites the endless resources of heaven to invade the impossibilities of earth. Luke chapter one, verse 37, for with God, nothing will be impossible. The verb mood and tense of your kingdom come, it literally means Jesus is saying, let your kingdom come here and now. So he's teaching us to pray, Father, we invite your ruling power to overrule what's happening here. Do your will and cast out that which opposes your will here and now. That's an important part of prayer, friends. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. And so in the name of Jesus, I bind and I curse this cancer in my body. It has no place, no power, no authority. I stand in faith on the promises of your word that by your stripes, I am healed. Invite his rule and his reign, his kingdom to come in your marriage. God, I pray in Jesus' name. She would show me where I messed up. Show me how I can be a better husband. Fill me with the supernatural love for my wife. God, fix the things that are broken in our relationship. You invite his rulership, friends, into the lives of your children. Pray for your children. God, I thank you that my son my, and my daughter, they're gonna be mighty men, mighty women of God that they're gonna walk with you all the days of their life. They're not gonna turn to the right or to the left. You're gonna fill them with the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. They're gonna grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with men. Come on, they're gonna shake this world for the kingdom of God. Lord, you're gonna keep knuckleheads and ungodly, foolish people away from them. You're gonna surround them with good, godly friends. We pray for our families. We invite God's rulership in our church. Pray for your church. Pray for 
our church family. Pray for my friend Bob Laidlaw, who had a stroke yesterday. He's in the hospital right now. Pray for my little nephew, Drayson, five years old, battling this 104 fever. By the way, it's my sister Shannon's birthday today. Two, two years, my little nephew's been fighting this leukemia, praying that demonic sickness out of his body in Jesus' name. We're praying. We're praying. Come on, church. God's rulership to invade the next couple of weeks. I'm telling you, God has done some unbelievable things even in the last seven, eight days. You heard Pastor Junior's testimony. Our friend Brittany last week in our church, she was rushed to the hospital, had very, very severe symptoms in her body. Within 36 hours, all of those things went away and she was released from the hospital. Doctor said it was unbelievable. I asked you to pray last weekend for Mike and Jessica Frejo, a married couple, have three children both in the same hospital at the same time in different rooms, battling pneumonia and COVID. Jessica uh, was released this past Wednesday from the hospital, saying, God has healed me. Her husband, Mike, last week, I, I mentioned to you, at 8.20 in the morning, got a text from Jessica when she was still in the hospital, said, please pray for Mike. He's getting worse and worse and worse. They're admitting him to ICU. And isn't that right, Pastor Junior? Monday and Tuesday, he was getting worse. Yesterday, he got released from the hospital. A miraculous, supernatural turnaround. Had him on the vent and everything. God healed him. Last week, during the 10 o'clock service, Heather Stedman, who's not here today, our service coordinator, she sits over there. We were praying. I, I, we were focusing on, on Isaiah 53 in our communion time, healing power of Jesus. And she came up to me after 10 o'clock service. She said, Pastor John, I, I didn't know this about her at all. She said, I had severe chronic pain in my knee for a long time. She said, the doctors tell me that there's holes in my, in my kneecap. She said, as we were praying this morning for healing, she says, God touched me. I can feel something. I felt something happen in my knee. All of the pain is gone. I have no more pain. God healed her completely. Two weeks ago, after the 10 o'clock service, a young man was standing right here. I'd never seen, seen him before. He was waiting to talk to a prayer team member. So I went up to him and Introduced myself. His name's Tyler. I said, hey, man, it's nice to meet you. I said, how can I help you? He said, I'd like a Bible. I said, you don't own a Bible? He said, no. I said, I'd love to give you a Bible. And then I asked him, as I often do now with people, I said, do you know the Lord? He said, no, but I want to. I said, really? He's 21 years old. I said, who are you coming to church with? He said, I'm coming by myself. I said, really? He said, yeah, I found it on Yelp. He said, I just want to know God. He said, this is my third week here. I led him to the Lord right, right there. And... Uh, Last week, last week I didn't see him in church. He sent me a text on Monday morning. He said, Pastor John, I'm so sorry. He apologized. I'm so sorry I missed church this weekend. He said, he said, on Friday I was in a severe car accident with my friend. We were T-boned and we should have died. He said, thank you for your prayer. Friend, he came last service. He was here all busted up. Did you see him, Junior? He did, I mean, you could tell he had been, his, his, his stitches right here in his arm, all busted up. His sister flew in from New Mexico and said, you know, just to see him and be with him, said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to go to church. And uh, he said, thank you for praying. God protected me. Friends, God is doing miracles. Come on, he's doing miracles. Stand to your feet right now. We pray his rulership, our families, our lives, our children, our grandchildren, our church, our nation, our world. There's no, there's no prayer that's too big to pray, friends. How much faith do you have? We're going to pray for each other right now. We're gonna pray for each other. Actually, in a moment, I wanna do one thing before we get to that. Close your eyes just real quick, and then we're gonna, we're gonna, we are gonna pray before we close. Just real quick. If you're here today and you're not in relationship with God, you've never made that decision before, 
I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And I won't embarrass you, I won't make you say anything, but I'm telling you, friends, the honest truth, with all my heart, God loves you more than you can imagine. Jesus came, he lived, he died for you, shed his blood on the cross to forgive you of all of your sins, to bring you into relationship with God, change your life, give you abundant and eternal life, but you have to receive that. You have to invite him. He is, God has done everything. He's done everything, but he's given you free will. You have to invite him in your life. And Jesus is the way, he's the truth, he's the life. No one comes to God the Father and has a relationship with God except through him. If you've never made that decision, I'm gonna give you that opportunity in a moment. Maybe you're, you're here or you're watching online and once you walked with God, but you've walked away from God and you wanna come back to him today, I'm talking to you. Friends, come back to the Lord. He loves you, his arms are open. If you're here today, you're not in relationship with God and you wanna make that decision for the first time or you wanna come back to him, I wanna give you that opportunity right now. The way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and look at me and then I'm gonna lead all of us in a prayer together. But I won't embarrass you, I won't call you out. I already see, is your hand up over there? I see you, oh, you're praying, I see you're praying, I, I, I recognize you. On the count of three, lift your hand if that's you. Say, John, include me in that, lift your hand if that's you. One, two, three, raise your hand, let me see you. If you're online, let us know online as well. Keep your hand up, hold your hand up high, I see you. This tall guy over here, I see you. Sir, look at me, amen, I agree with you. God loves you. It's gonna be a new day in your life. Anybody else here this morning? Anybody else? When one sinner repents, Luke 15, go home and read it, all of heaven rejoices. Friend, this, this is a day of salvation for you. I wanna lead you in a prayer of salvation and confession. Romans chapter 10, verse nine. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means that you're surrendering your life to him, you believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Church, let's all pray this prayer. Let's agree with our friend this morning. Another hand in the back, wave, wave at me. Is it a little guy, somebody? A little, a little girl back there, awesome, with mom and dad. Praise the Lord. Let's pray this prayer together. Let's pray it loud and strong. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sin. Right now I ask, Jesus to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I surrender my life. I give you total control. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a new creation. I declare that heaven is my home and that I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.